How can average working citizens like us, how can we reform our unjust financial system to erode the wealth and power of big banks, traditional corporations, and the super rich, and redistribute that wealth and power to average working citizens without relying on politicians or regulations? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist, investment advisor, and founder of Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, we are going to continue discussing vehicles of change. Specifically, we're going to be talking about equity crowdfunding as a vehicle of change. So I want to start this conversation off by mentioning a very successful, perhaps one of the most successful investors of all time, that is Peter Thiel. Um, he made his money uh, as a co-founder of PayPal. And with that money, uh, he has been an active investor. One of his most uh, famous investments and profitable investments was in Facebook in 2004. At that time, he invested $500,000 for around a 10% uh, ownership stake in the company. Well, uh, Facebook went public in 2012, and Peter Thiel made a billion dollars, sold his shares for a billion dollars. He bought them for 500,000, and he sold them for a billion. Now he still ha owns some shares, you know, a hundred, two hundred million dollars worth of of Facebook shares that he hasn't sold. He still has them, uh, but he made a uh, billion dollars. Um, that's a two thousand percent return on investment in eight years. He made two thousand percent return on his investment in eight years. Now you or I. We, we can't make those investments. Well, none of us could in, in 2004. Um, you had to be something called a accredited investor. Uh, that means you either have to have a million dollars cash in the bank or, and this is a, as of today, or uh, $200,000 a year you make $200,000 a year for the last two years as a single person, or you made $300,000 a year for the last two years as a, a married couple. Uh, I, I'm not sure of the requirements back in 2004, but it, they've been adjusted for inflation. So it was probably less, but if you compare value, it's, it's about the same. So you had to be wealthy um, and institutions could make these investments and wealthy accredited investors. And, and you didn't just have to be, uh, have the money. You also had to have the connections, the opportunity to in invest in one of these companies. So um, the public has no shot at all in, in investing in Facebook in 2004. And let's say you are a successful surgeon and you qualify as an accredited investor. 
well, you're not going to have the opportunity either. You have to have a connect. If you're a surgeon in Columbus, Ohio, there is really no shot for you to be able to invest in Facebook uh, back in 2004. So even, even professionals uh, that, that can qualify as an accredited investor still are, are generally locked out from this opportunity, from these opportunities. Um, and, you know, this is, this is the private market of investments. Well, everything changed uh, in 2012 when the Jobs Act was passed. Um, this allowed the general public access to the private market via crowdfunding. Now, it didn't go into effect until 2015. And really, it's only in the last couple of years, two or three years, where there are um, credible, um, reliable, um, consistent platforms that uh, facilitate equity crowdfunding. And there has been some uh, more um, deregulation to allow uh, the general public as much access as, as possible given the regulations that are still in, in place. But this is a huge step forward. Um, now, imagine if you in 2004 invested, uh, you know, $100 into Facebook. You know, you're, you're talking about a $200,000. Um, and that's what a lot of these minimum investment requirements on, on these established platforms are, is $100. Um, if you were given the opportunity Peter Thiel had, and you know, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of investors that if only they put in $100 and were able to cash out with $200,000 in 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 eight years, that's that's life changing for many many people, um, especially if you know you're making thirty thousand dollars a year, life changing. So this system of a, a private market, and you have to be wealthy to even get in the private market. It's it obviously favors the rich. This is one of the main reasons why the rich are getting richer because of uh, the private market of investments. This is like, this is the, the ground floor of capitalism. Uh, the private market, if, if you can get into the private market, um, then in the past, especially, uh, then you could, and you make one of these investments in a startup company. Now you can dictate the direction of these startup companies, or, or at least you have a, um, a loud voice. And you could really shape it, especially if the startup it perhaps is struggling, is, is cash strapped. As a private market investor, you could say, well, I'll give you, I'll invest uh, in your company, you know, another $20,000, $50,000, but only if you do uh, X, Y, and Z. 
and the company uh, becomes more profitable. And this is how um, these startup companies suffer from mission drift. Maybe they have a different mission, but now they're in dire need of this capital. And so they're willing to sacrifice um, their mission, at least part of their mission, in order to, to uh, stay solvent, to, to remain in the black and to operate uh, as a company. Um, crowdfunding has, equity crowdfunding has fundamentally changed this, this, uh, this situation. Um, because, uh, uh, the, your average, uh, crowdfunder is, you know, we're only going to be investing a hundred, a few hundred dollars that there is no, and there's so many of us there isn't a voice in the founder's ear saying, okay, I'm only going to give you this money if you do this. Well, that no longer exists. Um, the other thing is uh, investors ha have a choice to fund companies that actually not only provide a valuable product or service, but, but does it in a way that... Uh, respects all stakeholders that uh, companies that have a responsibility to all stakeholders and, and not just the shareholders uh, shareholders are a stakeholder investors are a stakeholder but so are the employees the customers vendors suppliers the communities uh, the companies in the environment all stakeholders so now uh average gen the general public can uh, has the opportunity to uh, invest in these companies that 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 have a responsibility to to all stakeholders. Well, why does that matter? Uh, well, first off, um, face. Let's go back to Facebook when they went public in 2012. Uh, who did Peter Thiel? Uh, who did he sell his shares to? Well, he sold it to the general public. You and me, that they in the past, the rich were literally getting richer off of the general public, off these these IPOs, um, and, and so there there is a push for maximizing shareholder value once you purchase an IPO because you missed out on the big profits, and and so now you want to make as much profit as possible as a shareholder, and you want these companies to to maximize your profit for shareholder. Well, this causes a number of problems. Um, you know, Facebook, they have uh, privacy concerns. You know, they they handle uh, users' data. It's, it, 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 they had, you know, they, it, the way they uh, sold advertising, they um, really gave uh, advertisers just massive access to user data. Um, the the Facebook because of their advertising and and selling their ads, they created a um, environment for misinformation. You know, uh, uh, just deliberate. Now, not just you know, it's disinformation. I want to just say misinformation, but but disinformation, which is which is different. Uh, that's intentional. Uh, disinformation is intentionally giving false information. Misinformation uh, is not intentional, and th that's a slippery slope 
when you label something misinformation or, or not. But disinformation, um, Facebook, uh, totally guilty of of creating this this environment for for doing that. Uh, what else? Addiction. Um, lots of research uh, has gone into this now on the addictive nature of social media and and how uh, it's it's difficult to disconnect from it. Um, and, and this addiction leads to negative, uh, uh, mental health. Uh, so you're having these consequences of, of mental health problems as a result of this addiction. Uh, some of this is a depression and anxiety. Uh, I, I know there was, um, research done on a teenage girls and, um, the, the eating disorders, that that come about from this um you know when you're on social media you want to project this this perfect image to to others um and you know that you're lying to 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 others you know you're inauthentic uh which which uh you know can also you know cause you know depression um you're also comparing your life with other people which you don't really know you you know what they're projecting is even true and yet you're comparing your life with them so um the mental health problems that that facebook ha has caused uh and the the polarization so the the algorithm algorithms that facebook use uses are to keep you online for a, as much as possible uh that's how they maximize their profit uh you know through advertising and 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 um and so the, the, this polarization and division will happen as a result of it because, you know, the, it, the way to keep you online as long as possible is, is this confirmation bias feedback loop. You, especially when it comes to things that are outrageous, that, that make you feel outraged, you, you feel outraged, you, you see, um, you know, you have this, this belief it's confirmed with this, this video or, or post that you see, and then you end up seeing more posts like it. And it, it doesn't give you a, a clear, a, the, the whole pic, picture. It's just a very narrow picture of what's happening. Um, and it, 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 it just compounds and, and keeps on going. And, um, you know, it, I would think January 6th is a good example of, of this negative feedback loop, this confirmation bias feedback loop. I would say, um, uh, you know, the, the woke culture, I know that's kind of a overused expression. Um, but, but that is also from, uh, this, this confirmation bias loop. Now I gotta say the, the woke and the January 6th, I feel like people on both of those sides actually had real intentions. The January 6th people actually believed that um, the election was being stolen and they wanted to stand up and do something about it. Um, of course, you know, that it's shown that that's not the case, but nonetheless, it was perpetuated by, by social media. Um, and also, uh, you know, this, this uh, woke um uh, i don't know movement i guess you could say is is really based on um treating others uh 
with uh, compassion and kindness and respect, but they're doing it by shaming and uh, you know judging and 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 really um, almost counterproductive way you know deplatforming um, you know so so and and the social media will just feed this so you, here you are you're you're having all these negative uh, consequences uh, to maximize profits uh, for their shareholders. Now you, you take that back and you have equity crowdfunding. Well, th there isn't this push anymore to have to maximize profits because the general public has access to the big profits in, in the first place. Um, uh, you know, companies don't they don't always exit through an IPO, uh, which stands for initial public offering. Uh, sometimes uh, these larger uh, companies buy up uh, the, these startup companies. Um, and, and so that's how you end up making your money. Um, sometimes it is through a public offering, uh, either way there, there isn't that push for, for maximizing profits because the, the direction of the company has already been established during this private stage, during the, the stage where they're, where they're growing. Um, not only that, the, the, the barriers to starting businesses for blacks and minorities is, has been um, historically horrible. Um, it, it's incredibly difficult in the past to get uh, private investments, private investors to invest in your startup company. Um, today, the, the latest uh, information uh, I, I still don't have the 2022 numbers, um, or maybe this was 2020, 2021, but we're talking 2.2% of all venture capital funding went to, went to women founders and 1.8% of all venture capital went to, towards, uh, um, African-American founders. So there, these, uh, these barriers to uh, even get funding for your business if you're a woman or minority are, are, are essentially washed away with equity crowdfunding because the general public, well, we're filled with minorities and women. And we now have access to invest in these companies that can that really have a different perspective on the way they see the world. Uh, and we need that we need uh more perspective um and and the equity crowdfunding is this incredible vehicle of change to to provide that to to have companies in this world that are doing good uh to be able to uh make big money uh, as as a just a, a regular person, imagine getting a 2000% return as a regular person. Nuts. It's crazy. Um, but, but now it, it, it gives us an opportunity, the general public, an opportunity to get rich with the rich and, and not the rich getting richer and everyone else staying the same. Now everyone has an opportunity to get richer. Um, and it's just, you know, an, an amazing time that we live in that, that we can be a part of this. Um, and, uh, you know, and I just love talking about it. I, I love 
to to uh, mention equity crowdfunding and, and hopefully it, it inspires you to become a, a crowd investor. Uh, or if you're listening to this, you probably are a crowd investor. Uh, and it, it I, I want to encourage you to continue doing it. Um, now, equity crowdfunding is risky. Most startups fail. Uh, and so that's when it, it's uh, here. I'm going to do a shameless plug, but this is what this is why having an investment advisory firm that specializes in crowd investing could come in so handy because we do have plans to mitigate risk when it comes to equity crowdfunding. It's a, it's probably the most, the riskiest, one of the riskiest, not the most, but it's very risky to, uh, uh, to invest in startups, but, um, venture capital firms for the last 30 years have developed strategies to mitigate risk and get, you know, returns, annual returns of 20, 25%. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm just seeing what all the the top venture capital firms are doing it, and now I'm I'm providing this service towards to, to the the general public. So we can we can all get get a piece of this action. And um, so so that's that's uh, I'll wrap up our uh, my my talk here on equity crowdfunding uh, for the day. Uh, my name is Paul Lovejoy. I am a crowd investor and I see you are one too. If you'd like to know how to reform our unjust financial system uh, legally, ethically, and without confrontation, go to Stakeholder